Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Please open your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 19. As we saw last week, Paul is in prison, and he is chained to a guard, and he looks at his imprisonment, not from a level of his own comfort, not from a level of what he would rather do that day, But the lens that he looks through his situation is, is the gospel effective? Has this increased the reach and the effectiveness of the gospel? And he has to answer in the previous verses that it is absolutely yes, that his imprisonment is a good thing because it has increased the effectiveness of the gospel, and more people are being saved, as far as Paul can see, with him in prison than if he were out preaching in the courtyard. And one aspect of that is, by Roman edict and law, he has to be chained to a guard 24 hours a day in four-hour shifts, And so Paul, except probably when he was sleeping, and he probably did that very little, would preach to the guy, and he'd hold church services in his apartment, and he would inundate the Roman guards with the gospel, and several got saved. Many got saved, and then it spread throughout the whole Praetorian guard. And so Paul's looking at that and saying, my imprisonment, is a good thing because people are getting saved. Then in 19 through 26, he begins to ponder and talk about his deliverance. He says in 19, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And when he says that phrase, that this will turn out for my deliverance, people who know the Old Testament, people who know the Septuagint. The Septuagint is a Greek version of the Old Testament. When the Old Testament was originally written, it was written mostly in Hebrew with little Aramaic spaces throughout it. But then after the... Uh, fall of Jerusalem and 70 AD and these things that destroyed the center of Jewish worship and religious life, 70 rabbis got together and they translated the Old Testament into Greek, call it the Septuagint, which means of the 70. Aha. And so you can get it today, it's in print, and you can download it. The Greek Old Testament, it is used in extensive Bible study. Now when you have Paul, he 
was a Greek speaker. He also knew Hebrew. And he knew about the work that was going on with the Septuagint. And so in uh, Philippians 1.19, he says, and this will turn out for my deliverance, and those who know the Old Testament know that this comes from Job 13.6. It is almost an exact quote, Greek for Greek. And it says, and this will be my salvation that the godness, godless shall not come before him. And so Paul is doing this and we read it and if we were scholars in this, we would say, what is Paul saying? Because the word deliverance has many meanings. In the passage of Job, it actually means salvation. Paul uses it throughout the New Testament to mostly mean salvation, deliverance from our sins that God gives us through Christ. Now, how do we fully realize that? How do we fully realize deliverance from our sins? Well, it's when we die and we go to heaven and we stand before Jesus Christ and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And so... What is Paul saying? Is Paul saying he's going to get released from prison? Or is Paul saying he's going to die and go to heaven? And just that one word is not the whole point because for the rest of the six verses, that's what he debates in his mind. He debates, what does this mean that God is going to do? Is God done with him? Is God going to kill him? Now we know by legend, it isn't in scripture but legend, Paul's life ended when he was beheaded by the Romans under Nero. Okay, Nero hated Christians. Paul seemed to, in the book of Acts, have the desire to go and convert Caesar. To In his defense before Caesar, he would convert Caesar and therefore Christianity was spread throughout the Roman Empire. Paul seems to have that idea in the book of Acts. Uh, of what he wants to do, we know from legend because the book of Acts ends when Paul is in prison in Rome. And then he writes these letters. But legend has it that Nero, being one who hated Christians, he blamed Christianity for the economic downfall of the Roman Empire, basically. And so there's no evidence that Paul ever went before Nero but that Nero executed him in the prison as a Roman by cutting off his head, which is how they would execute Roman citizens back then. But while Paul is still alive, writing the book of Philippians, he debates what God's plan is. He is not talking about suicide, even though he says death is better. He's not saying, I'm going to kill myself. He is debating what God is going to do. And if Paul had a choice, which he doesn't seem to in this life, if Paul had a choice, which one would he choose? He's kind of playing that game. And he, so when he's talking about deliverance, he's talking about being released from prison and eternally delivered from his sin. And he lists five things that guarantees in his mind that deliverance is coming. 
The first is God's promises and God's principles. He starts by saying, uh, For I know that through the prayers and the help of the Spirit it will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed. He, Paul knows how God has worked in the past. Paul knows how God has advanced the gospel in the past. Paul has a track record. Paul's track record, because of his understanding of the Old Testament, goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God, uh, Paul knows all the stories of the Old Testament. He has much of the Old Testament memorized as a Hebrew scholar before he was saved. It was very important to know the Old Testament, to know the character of God. So Paul knows this, and he can point to passage, passage, character, character, story, story of where God came through, of where God's plan and God's purposes always came to pass. And Paul has an understanding because of his call that came in the book of Acts that he is to go to the Gentiles. And if you get a map and you draw out where Paul is going, it seems that, and everybody seems to agree, that Paul's goal was to make it all the way to Spain and convert the people in Spain. And you say, well, why did that happen? Why did he do that? Well, if you look in the book of Genesis, and we won't go there now, God, after he confuses the languages, starts listing the various nations that were built after the Tower of Babel. And if you take that and put it on a map, it ends at Spain. And so people think, and we can ask Paul when we get to heaven, we can say, what were you thinking? People think that Paul's looking at God's plan in the Old Testament and putting that on himself as God's plan for the spread of Jesus Christ. Now, today we know that the, the world is a big round thing in space and all that. Paul didn't really have that understanding. It was all this big flat thing, and he, either the end of the world was out there somewhere, and so Paul was just going to go, and he may have had the view that Spain was the end of the known world, of the civilized world, and he wanted to get there, and he felt God was leading him there, and so... He needed to get out of prison. He couldn't do this in prison. He couldn't send missionaries himself because he was a missionary. And so he takes this as a view that God is going to get him out of prison. You also have to realize the order that these books were written. Paul had already written the book of Romans and it had already been sent to Rome before Paul was in prison in Rome. If you read through the book of Romans, you get to places like Romans 8.28, where everything that happens to you is going to be worked together by God for His glory. And you have to ask the question, does Paul believe everything he wrote? 
And you have to answer yes. You have to understand that Paul's theology that he's talking about in Philippians is explained to us by his theology in the book of Romans. Okay? So that's kind of, there are things like chronological Bibles where the books of the Bible are placed in the order they were written, not in the traditional order that most Bibles are in. And you can see that Romans came and Philippians is very late. Paul wrote a bunch before he wrote Philippians. And so you're interpreting what Paul is saying in Philippians by all the stuff he wrote before, because you believe that he believed what he was writing and that he was perhaps even referring to what he wrote. Uh, there is, in the book of Acts, he asked Timothy to bring his manuscripts and books, uh, previous letters that he wrote. He wanted them to refer to. There is a belief that Paul had an understanding that he was writing Scripture on the same level as the Old Testament. He probably couldn't have defined inspiration, but he knew that God was speaking through him. Second thing that Paul says that is going to guarantee his release is prayer. In every book, in every letter that Paul writes, he says he is praying for them, he's praying for those in Corinth, He's praying for those in Ephesus, and he asked for them to pray for him. And he had an understanding, he had a belief that, he that if you pray, God's going to answer. And if we pray about something that is very important to us, God is going to answer. And if he has thousands of people praying for his release from prison he has a belief that that is going to carry weight with God. Now, our prayers don't manipulate God. We pray in accordance with God's will, things of this nature. Prayer is something that every Christian should do. And it's very good to track how we're praying, to have what is called a prayer journal, where we write down answers to prayer. But he puts it very early, for I know that through your prayers, I will get delivered. So he's putting weight on prayers. And he is a prayer, and he encourages all those in his churches to pray. Who is the power worker? The power worker is the spirit of Jesus Christ, which is number three. He knows that if he's going to get let out of prison, it's going to be worked out by the Holy Spirit. He also he knows this because he also knows the book of Acts. He knows the stories in the book of Acts. And Peter was in prison. And Peter's asleep. And boom, he's awoken and the door's open and the Holy Spirit let him out of prison, and it was so unexpected that when Peter got back to his house, they thought it was his ghost, because nobody ever gets away from Roman prison. But the Holy Spirit can, and Paul knows these stories. Paul has a knowledgeable track record 
of how God has worked in the past. And if God has worked this way in the past, he's going to work this way in the present. He's going to work this way in the future. God is not capricious. God does not change his mind every five minutes. God is very consistent in what he does and how he works, which is also encouraging us to know the stories in the Bible, to know the principles in the Bible, because even though Paul is writing this 2,000 years ago, God... (coughs) Excuse me. God is still the same. God is still working the same. God is still doing the same thing. And we say, okay, so Paul has confidence that he's going to get deliverance out of this prison one way or another. And these are, he's building a case. He's saying, I'm confident because of this, because of this, because of this. So if I'm in a difficult situation, if I'm in a problem where Uh, I can't stop coughing, for example, is something that's going on. I know that this is not going to be my life. This is not, I can pray for deliverance from this. I can pray for healing from this. I can pray for God to do something. And, And what will my evidence be? Well, so far it'll be what God has done throughout Scripture God heals throughout Scripture. Jesus was a healer. Lots of people got healed. I can hold on to that and hold on to that tightly. Uh, I can ask for prayers and I can pray and I know that healing can come through the Holy Spirit. He then talks about as my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ to be honored. So he knows that if Christ has this plan, if Christ has a plan to move Paul in this direction, Christ is not thwarted by prison. The Roman Empire's got nothing on God. Roman Empire can do whatever they want, The various countries and empires around the world can do whatever they want, but God is still ultimately in charge, and God will still win. He talks about being ashamed, and we can ask, who would Paul be ashamed with or in front of or of? And it is the only shame that Paul talks about ever in the New Testament is standing before Christ at the end of time and giving an answer for what he has done. And he doesn't want to be ashamed before Christ. Jesus himself said, if you are ashamed of Christ here on this earth, then Christ will be ashamed of you at the end of time. There will be a time where all of us, every person who has ever lived, will stand before Christ and there will be a judgment and the judgment will be whether you are cleansed by the blood of Christ or whether you're standing on your own merit. And if you're standing on your own merit, 
You're going to be ashamed of your life that you lived before Christ. And Paul is concerned about that because he lived a very evil life before he was saved. He then talks about the plan of God for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is a difficult passage to get into English. In Greek it has no verbs. To live Christ, to die gain. Okay? Is how it is in Greek. It's a very boom, boom, boom sort of sentence. And what it means basically is every day, every moment that Paul lives on earth, he will live as if he were Christ. Now, we are not Jesus Christ. We cannot do all that Jesus Christ did. I am not Jesus Christ. However, I am supposed to be his representative. I am supposed to be living in such a way that people will say, if they have knowledge of this, that is a person living for Christ. Today we're so worldly and unchristian out in the world, they'll just think you're weird. But back in the day, you go back in the 1600s where everybody went to church, there would be people who were you know, great Christians who would look at and others would be, well, not so much. And today we are to be great Christians. We are to be daily representatives of Jesus Christ. We are to be people who, at the end of the day, I will say, did I live for Christ today? He also says to die is gain, and to go to heaven is infinitely better than this life. And so he's saying that his life is a win-win. He will continue to work in this life, in the flesh, as he says. Continue to work in this life and therefore be Christ to those who are around. And when God is ready and God takes him home, that's fantastic too. So it's win-win. Live for Christ or live with Christ in eternity. And his, his focus is not only on his deliverance, but his focus is on the advancement of the church, the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so he says, as he remains, in 22, he says, for if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor. That means labor producing fruit. We say, what is fruit? Fruit is found in the book of Galatians. There are nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Did I get them all? Yeah, okay, there's nine. There's nine and they're in the book of Galatians and these are motivational fruit. Is that the Holy Spirit gives you peace. Okay, you pray for it, the Holy Spirit gives you peace, that is a fruit of the Spirit, but then how do you live, how do you function, your, your actions, your work that comes out of peace is what Paul is talking about, that's fruitful labor, it is labor based on 
the fruit of the Spirit and that is called throughout the New Testament good works, righteous works. It is works based on the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I am hard pressed between the two, living or dying. My desire is to be with Christ, but he's going to stay here as long as God keeps him. He is in a situation where he can ponder you know, what is better, living or dying? Of course, dying is infinitely better because all the difficulties and pains and chores of this life are done and you're in the presence of God for all eternity. But he says, as long as he remains, he will work for the betterment of the churches that he has planted. He will continue to plant churches. He will continue to work as hard as he can. And he talks about in First and Second Timothy, fighting the good fight and winning at the end. And this is how he's going to do it. He's not going to resign. He's not going to give up. He's not going to blame God for his difficult situation. He's going to say whatever situation he's in, he's going to work for the churches that he's planted, he's going to work for spreading the gospel. And then when he's done, it's going to be, woohoo, a party. He's going to be in heaven, and all the difficulties of this life will be gone. And so he says, remaining on earth is for their progress and joy. He will remain so he can continue to Work with them so that they will be better Christians, so they will be more experienced in working with Christ, so they will be more knowledgeable as to what is Christ is doing. And then when God is done, as he was at some point, he will go and stand before Jesus Christ and be there throughout all eternity. Now we can look at Paul and say... Well, he's special. I could never do that. I could never be like Paul. But Paul couldn't be like Paul. Paul was amazed at what he pulled off with the Spirit of God. We are to be dedicated to Jesus Christ every day, every moment of every day, so that when we're done and we look at the world and we look in a mirror and we look at what we've done, we can say, I lived for Christ. For me to live is Christ. And then when it's all said and done and God says, come on home, we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that to die is gain. Paul is not special. I'd say he's different. He did have a call on his life that nobody else had. But he's got the same Holy Spirit. He's got the same knowledge. He's got the same Jesus that we have. And so we can look at that and we can say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we just praise your name for all that you're doing for us, for all the leading you give us, for all the strength you give us, I pray that you would open our eyes to the opportunities that you bring before us. 
and that we may be willing to step up. And whether we are in prison or whether we are homeless or whether we are sick or whether we are rich, whether we have it all or whether we have nothing, we can live for Christ because we know that the day that we die will be the ultimate gain. Lord, we praise you for this and ask your blessing on this day. We ask this in the blood of Christ. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.